I have a task this morning given to me by the Holy Spirit to which I will draw your attention to the second book of Chronicles, chapter number 7, for the word today. Take your scriptures in hand, and even though it will be on the screen, certainly love for you to pen it in your Bible or highlight it or reference it. Second Chronicles, chapter 7, verse number 14. This verse has been quoted so many times and yet practiced so few times. Did you get what I said? By preachers like myself and by churches like ours and by Christians like you. It doesn't take me long to just get right to you, doesn't it? And I don't mean that offensively, but this verse is kind of like the weather. Everybody talks about it. Now, unlike the weather, we can't do anything about it, but where we are as a people and a nation and as a Christian, we can do something about it. And I don't come to be ugly or unkind. I come to prepare you for this Friday to Saturday, beginning at 5 o'clock. The 5 o'clock Saturday, 24 hours of prayer that the Holy Spirit has called this church to for this time. I don't know what else you'll call other churches to, but that will be their response based on His call. And I must tell you that I know the challenge going in. I must tell you that my flesh oftentimes resists things that are good for me in the natural and in the spiritual. I must, know, must tell you that prayer is often warfare. And 24 hours of it around the clock. Although we have been speaking to you and I will again. That if we can get your participation to watch and pray. You don't have to come for 24 hours. You don't have to come for 2 hours. You don't have to even come for an hour. If you show up for 30 minutes it will make a difference. God has called us to prayer as a united body. And He has called us to prayer for more reasons that I will tell you right now, but I will share with you in just a moment. And so, there are some times that it's easier to do something else than pray. There are some times because of the content and the passion and the burden and the warfare that I'd rather do something else than pray. But I've never prayed whereby I haven't been better because of it. I've never prayed whereby God didn't answer at His time. God may not show up on your time, but He's never late. Together on the count of three, we'll do it slowly, and we'll read it out loud. Together on the count of three, we'll do it slowly. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. One, two, three. If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Once more on the count of three. One, two, three. This time louder. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and heal their land. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 
Stretch your hands in my direction. I, I cherish, covet, and invite your prayers. I need it. I'm no good without it. So let's pray for each other. Father, we come to the table of your word. What powerful singing. What convicting songs. But what uplifting songs. What songs that make us greatly appreciate the gift we have through Christ and the cross. I pray for fresh revelation. I pray for a reminder of what you have given me to give this church. Oftentimes, oh God, here the enemy would have me come and exploit if I, if I would listen to my flesh, but I rebuke that. And I pray for passion and vision and wisdom. I pray that I would not talk down to this crowd as if I'm better than they are and they should come to where I am. But I pray that we will talk together and both of us agree that we need to go to where you are. And so, Father, I, I pray that you would do in the lives of the people what I could never do. I pray that you would do in the lives of the church what we could never do for ourselves. You never call us to waste time in your presence. And we are in your presence now and we're not wasting time. You didn't call us a few weeks ago and a couple of months ago to set aside this weekend for prayer. Just because, Lord, you wanted us to look spiritual. But I pray that you'd impart to us a passion, a vision, and a dedication. Even this morning to your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen it is. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. So we have clipboards that are at this welcome center and the other. We're asking that if you could commit for some time between 5 p.m. on Friday and 5 p.m. on Saturday to be at this house and to pray that you would indicate that commitment. We are asking that from 7 to 9 this Friday evening that all the church family as much as can come for a time of worship as an evening Worship of prayer, praise, and commitment as a church family. During that time, we'll pray for the sick. We'll sing some songs. We'll have scripture from 7 to 9. If it flows over beyond that, we'll do that too. We'll have child care from, from the nursery age to age 5. We're going to do all we can to obey God and make it possible for you to be here so that you can be blessed. It would seem as a no-brainer... For us to ask the question, why pray? But I want to remind me and remind you of its importance as we approach this prayer vigil. Prayer, you see, is God's way for us to obtain His counsel. I know about me. And there's never a day in my life where I don't need wisdom from God. There's never a day in my life. That I don't need the counsel of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says about the Holy Spirit available to all Christians. He will guide you into all truth. How many say, Pastor, I'm a candidate for that. Would you say amen? amen. But I need counsel about being just a man, red-blooded man. I need counsel about being a father and a husband and a son and a son-in-law and a father-in-law and a grandpa. I need counsel just about living in this world. I need counsel about pastoring this church. I need counsel to win over the world, the flesh, and the devil. There is not an area in my life that I don't need the Word of God for that He won't give me if I will seek His counsel through prayer. Why pray? Because it produces power. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 
Now, I can get lost in this introduction, but I need to move on except to highlight to you that Elijah prayed and fire fell from heaven. Power. Jehoshaphat prayed and his enemies were defeated. Multiple enemies outnumbering the tribe of Judah. And God told Jehoshaphat to send a choir before the army and just let them say, Praise the Lord for His mercy endureth forever. And just by the choir and the military and the tribe of Judah praising God, all the enemies were slain because of a fast and prayer. Can I get an amen? Not only did Elijah pray and Jehoshaphat prayed, Hezekiah prayed and God lengthened the days of his life. Power. Esther prayed and an entire nation was spared from hateful Haman. Jonah prayed in the belly of a large fish and God spared his life. Nineveh prayed and God spared a city of approximately 300,000 people. Daniel prayed and God shut the mouth of the lions. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego prayed and God air-conditioned Nebuchadnezzar's fiery furnace. Did anybody hear me? There's power in prayer. Jesus prayed and raised up Lazarus who was dead for four days and already embalmed. Jesus prayed and he took five loaves, two fish, prayed over them, fed 5,000 and had 12 baskets left over. There is power in prayer. Peter prayed and a man who was lame from his birth was given power to walk in the name of Jesus. The church prayed and Peter who was thrown in jail and the next morning was going to be killed by Herod. God sent an angel and released Peter from jail because there is power when you pray. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I don't know, but you're like me. We all need power. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the Bible says, And you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. The word power in Acts 1 and 8 is the Greek word dunamis. From we, we get the English word dynamite. Ah. <laughs> and I like that because there are some things in my life that I need the dynamite power of God. There are just some places and strongholds in my life where the devil would like to build a stronghold that I need the dynamite power of prayer. Come on and say amen. There's some things going on perhaps with your kids or your grandkids or your son-in-law or your daughter-in-law or your mama or your daddy or something in your job or something in a secret place of your life where if you will yield to the power of prayer, the dunamis dynamite of God will explode. I think you know why we should pray, but let me help a little further. Some answers to life's problems only come by prayer. Yes. It is Jesus who said upon the engagement of a father who brought a epileptic symptom-like son to Jesus who was demon-possessed, but the possession and the power of the demon in this man's son was such until when the demons came on him, he convulsed, he twitched and jerked. 
and his body gyrated and his appendages uh, were contorted, his arms and legs. The power of the demons were so strong in this man's son that on occasions when this boy was near a body of water like a river or pond or lake, the demons would throw him in to drown him. There were other occasions, the father telling Jesus the problem of his son, that when the boy was at a fire, maybe getting warm by a fire, the demon would come in him and throw him in the fire to kill him. Don't play with the devil. Don't play with the things of the devil. Okay? The manifestation may not be as pronounced as this father and son, but have nothing to do with the devil. Did you all hear me? Have no CDs and no videos and no Ouija boards and no occult. I'm just a preacher. That's all I'm doing. Have neither, the Bible says, neither give place to the devil. The, the, the Bible says, can a man or woman take fire in their bosom and not be burned? You, you, you don't need to see how close to sin you can get without falling in, okay? Just shun the appearance of evil. Like Joseph, when, when the temptress... Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him and he knew he could have Potiphar's wife and the pleasure she advertised because Potiphar was out of town and nobody else was in the house to see them in their tryst or their coming together. But because he loved God and the Holy Ghost was in him, the Bible says she grabbed for his coat, but he left the coat in his in her hands and later on he was falsely accused of attempted rape, but God exalted him like Joseph, run, run, run from the devil. Jesus delivered that son. Jesus, by the power of prayer, delivered that father's son. And when the disciples said, why couldn't we pray for him? We did pray for him. While Jesus was up in the mountain of transfiguration seeking God with three of his disciples, this father made an appeal to the disciples. And they couldn't cast the devil out. And Jesus said, because some things, including this, this kind of power can only come through prayer and fasting. Did I hear an amen? And, and I'm suggesting to you that the church and people who attend church and the clergy included are oftentimes powerless because we are prayerless. I need to move on here. Why pray? Because the hour is urgent. Did I hear an amen? amen? Romans 13 and 11 says, And do this, knowing the time, that now is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. High time, urgent time, knowing the times. You folks are not uninformed. I'm not uninformed. You have ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, Fox. You know the times. You have your iPad. You have your computer. You have your iPod. You have your iPhone. Yeah. Have you noticed this culture is all about I? Maybe that's why we don't have power. It's not about him. It's about I. I'm just getting anointing as I go. It's not in the notes. The hour is urgent. Listen to the news. 
Don't do it a lot because it'll make you want to end your life. I don't have to tell you that the hour is urgent. I just, and I know this, but I just put it up. I was sitting at, at, at my desk last evening and preparing, and, and I did yesterday and before, but I just thought, Lord, we really don't have to look for things to pray about. None of us are an exception from the devil's attack. But just because you may need to know what to pray for, we know why we need to pray, but why is it urgent? Because the unsaved are still unsaved. Look at our families in America. Look at our families in the church. Look at marriages in America. Look at marriages in the church. Did did I hear anybody say amen? Look at the financial condition of our own lives and and of our families and the economy. Look, look Look at the people who are bound by drugs and alcohol and sexual perversion and all kinds of personal or public sins. They're still bound. Look at, look at the nature of our world, our troops, sons and daughters and moms and dads and brothers and sisters. We have an air-conditioned church in the fall. We have lights. We have padded chairs. We have carpet. We have have a sound system, we have music, we have parking places, though right now you have to walk from Fayette County to get here, but that's a little sacrifice. I'm saying, but we got people who are watching out for us somewhere. We, we got to pray. The times are urgent. We need healing for our bodies. Can I get an amen? We got men and women of God, some of you that the devil has attacked. You're not a sinner and you're not going to hell, but he couldn't get you to commit fornication and he couldn't get you to commit adultery and he couldn't get you to indulge in pornography and he couldn't get you to lie and swear and cheat and gamble. He couldn't get you to curse God, so he decided to afflict your body and try to get you to blame God. But if we'll get a hold of God and we'll pray like we're supposed to every day, we'll understand that God has a purpose and plan and that God by his purpose and plan and by our prayers will draw us nearer to him and we'll get our healing our communities our church building project our nation the leaders on every level of our nation our schools we we need the power of God and only prayer your personal prayer you know no sooner than I announced 24 hour prayer vigil no sooner than I said something about right here the devil attacks this in my mind and makes me think things and ways whereby people will resist it and if I follow that path, I'll just go ahead and, uh, and just cancel everything if I listen to the voice of the devil. But I've come to understand the devil wouldn't be speaking if God wasn't working. He wouldn't oppose you if you already had you. You know, I mean, would the devil call you to fast and pray? Can I get an amen? Will the devil call you to forgive your enemies even though they didn't ask an apology? Can I get an amen? Will the devil call you to give your tithe and offerings? Will the devil call you to visit the hospital or, or the prisons? Will the devil call you to, to, to be unselfish and kind and to, and, to, and to spread the gospel? No. It is the Holy Spirit that calls us. And so knowing the times and having said what I said to you, I'm going to share with you some concerns that we're going to bring to the Lord on this prayer vigil, but I want you to start bringing them to the Lord right now. Brother Sammy Bird and I have been working on this. Brother Sammy Bird is the, the coordinator of our prayer ministry here at the church. Brother Sammy, stand once more, if you will. I want our congregation to know who you are, and in different services, I don't know that I always recognize that. But upon his heart, and upon the calling of God, upon the prayer ministry of this church, and my heart, and especially he and I, as we listen to the Lord, thank you, Brother Sammy, there are specific things for which I will call you to pray.
not that you need to know, but there are things as a unified body. There are certain times in national history and in church communities where God declares that we call a fast and have a solemn assembly and we know specifically over which we are praying and what. I found a, a tremendous resource put out by Mr. David Butts, who is the chairman of America's National Prayer Committee, the founder and president of Harvest Prayer Ministries. This resource, uh, uh, Rachel, go to the last slide that shows these uh, website, if you maybe not the last slide, but, but I, I want you to get this. I want you to have this. I won't get to it all. But if you're serious about knowing what to pray and how to pray, there are men and women filled with the Spirit of God across America that crosses denominational lines and color of skin lines and economic lines who have a burden for this nation and who have a burden about this election and who have a burden about God placing in power men and women of all, uh, all calibers who are led by God, men and women of a different color, different education, who are running for political offices of all levels, all the way from the president and all the way down the ranks. There are Christians across this land, thank God for them, who are coming together for prayer. Some of this started back in late September for 40 days of prayer leading to the election. I offer you these websites, the first from which I obtain this information that I'm going to share with you, giving credit to 40daysofprayer.net, giving credit to David Butts, because for these people it doesn't matter who gets the credit about thinking up what to pray based on the Word of God. What matters is that the message gets out and we pull down the strongholds of the devil off of our lives and our children and our nation. Can I get an amen? This prayer visual isn't because I'm going to stand at the door, put somebody at the door to see who's coming and not coming. This prayer visual is not about me patting you on the back or you patting me on the back and all of us feeling good about ourselves that we showed up at five in the morning or five in the evening. This prayer visual isn't about any of you and I getting any kind of points. What we need, my friends, is to have favor with God and we don't care who gets the credit as long as heaven comes down and God's glory fills our lives. So, so let me hasten then. Take me back, if you will, Rachel, to the slide that begins with the church. And, and let, me, let me tell you seven ways to pray for America. First, the church. And I'll hurry through them because I want you to have them. If you need a copy, they will be on our church website with a link to these resources exactly as they are. Mike will put them on there. You go to smmcog.com and start praying immediately. We pray for the church. That our eyes will be open to see the hope for which we are called. The hope of our salvation. The hope of being salt and light in this world. The hope of being fishers of men and rescuing the perishing. We pray for the church. So that we will experience in a fresh, new way the presence of Jesus Christ in revival. Did I hear an amen? We pray as a church that believers will be given faith to believe that their votes will make a difference in any election. We pray as a church that a spirit of repentance and humility will be poured out upon the people of God. Listen to me, church. Oftentimes, the world has relegated the church to the sidelines. You find on television, the Hollywood crowd and the news crowd and the media like to make fun at the church. And they make us look like a bunch of uh, leftist, uh, Bible-thumping, Bible-thumping. 
toting has been. But I am here to tell you, the power that this world needs for reform and deliverance will come from men and women like I'm preaching to this morning. Can somebody say amen? We are the church and we are to stand between the living and the dead. We are the church and we are to be watchmen on the wall and keepers of the gate. And God didn't say just the pastor to do it. And God didn't say just the elders to do it. And God didn't say just a few members on the board. Every one of us have life and we ought to be praying for revival like we've never seen before. So we need to pray for the church because many churches are playing church. If you come to church and all you can think about is how soon we could get out of here, you're not really hungry for God. If you come to church and all you're doing is looking at your watch or playing with your iPhone, act like you're reading the Bible, but you're playing games, you're really not in church. If you come here and trying to figure out, you come to church and all you do is trying to figure out what Cracker Barrel go have for lunch, or you can go home and see football game, I don't mean to insult you, but you don't really have God on your mind. I'm not building a church to play church. I'm not willing to get millions of dollars in debt just for you to see my face every Sunday or for me to see your face. I'm here because hell is real and the devil is real and sin is real, but salvation is real and the Word of God is alive and whosoever will, let him come. The church needs the power. The last thing we need is another potluck supper. But you'll have more people come to that than you will prayer. The last thing we need is a third softball team. Oh God, help me not to go there. I'll tell you, I'm not against you playing softball in this church, but I've been here 27 years as a pastor and I've been to one game. And I did that out of courtesy. I wouldn't have... Oh, God help me. I'm not against sports. But I'm not using this church, building this church, on whether or not you could play softball, baseball, or bowling, or bingo. That ain't how this church is going to grow. Just give me a few men and women who don't always want to sit in the bleachers and chew chewing gum and clip their nails in between the preaching and undo their candy waiting to go home. God help me. I know. I know. You are the church. You are the agency that will help change America. Don't wait on somebody else. Hit your knees. Turn off your phone. Turn off your television. Turn off your iPad. Listen to the Holy Ghost. Get along with God. He'll change your life. Okay. Yeah, I guess nobody's going to go out to eat today. Everybody's going to go home and pray. I'm not mad. I'm just passionate. And if he comes across mad, we, we pray in this 24 hours. I'm start praying today for the voters. Why, Pastor? Because we need wisdom. Wisdom sought for from God. We pray for the voters because we need to, to understand that we need to lay aside self-interest for the common good. Did, did you hear what I said? 
This, as Christians and the voters, we need to lay aside skin color, ethnicity, political party, because we are first Christians. I said we are first Christians. Be- oh, help me. Before we are denominations, we are Christians. Before we are members of certain uh, companies and organizations or political parties, we are first Christians. Every, if you are a Christian, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. So you lay aside other interests and you take God's interests. We pray for the voters because we need discernment between truth and falsehood. That it will be clear. We pray for the voters. Back it up one. Was that, was that all on that slide? Just leave it there. Just, just, just leave it there. Go to the next one. Not only do we pray for the church and the voters, we pray for the candidates. I'm just, I, I need to just stay with teaching and not meddling. We pray for the candidates that they take brave stands for righteousness even when it may not be well received. God give politicians a desire not to run for office for popularity or for clout or the favor of people. But give politicians on every level, Lord, the ability to stand up for what is right, what is good for the family, what is good for the culture, what is good against crime, what is good against evil, what is good against prejudice. Can I get an amen? We we pray for the candidates that their families will be protected from harm and unnecessary scrutiny. You know what? There was a time in America, and I've been here long enough, it'll be 44 years next month. There was a time in America when, when candidates and their families guarded each other, even though they were in opposing ranks. They, they didn't touch, they didn't meddle about a person's personal life. They didn't go digging up, scratching up stuff all over the place or making up stuff. And they didn't get on the... Uh, in other words, candidates were, were so uh, so well... Considerate that they didn't attack each other. I, I don't know how much more base we can get in elections at all levels. And we need to pray that God will protect these families and these candidates. Can I get an amen? As a church, we pray that, that they will surround themselves at any level. And especially as we come to an election, that those seeking positions by way of elections or appointment will surround themselves with godly advisors. Help me, Jesus. There are not many godly advisors, though they have popular prominence. There are people who have television shows nationally and internationally, and they're giving advice, but they're not godly. Did you hear what I said? There are people wearing the clergy cloth and the collar, and they have national prominence, but they're not giving godly advice. We need to pray that those seeking advice would seek it from men and women of God. And we'll get it and use it for the glory of God. So we pray for the candidates. They will focus on the issues we face as a nation. And not on personal attacks of other candidates. Did I just say that? Can I get an amen, church? I move on because of time. We not only pray for revival in the church. We not only pray for the voters and the candidates. But we pray for the media. Oh, here we go. I want you to start praying today. And we pray for the media because we desire truth and reporting and election coverage, and it will be a high value to the media, regardless of their affiliation, truth. We pray even further about the media, and we pray, God, that media biases will disappear. There, every media have their own slant, all of them, Fox, CNN, NBC, you know what I'm talking about, because they are people and they have a slant. We need to pray that media biases will disappear. We need to pray that Christianity via the media will receive fair coverage 
in all reports. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We need to pray. You know, oh God, I'm going to keep going. We pray that hope will become a part of the message of the media. Because when you look at it, it's gloom and despair and, and, a, and a YouTube video about a crime that really we shouldn't be seeing all that detail. Just tell us because we don't need to see the gore and the violence. Okay? It's, it's always the competition of who can get the worst news out the fastest. I'm preaching, I'm teaching here. And, and along the way, they should tag a little tag to that and not have so much gloom and despair and, and all kinds of, a, of negative news. But in the context of bringing bad news, we need some hope. And I want to tell you something. It's the media that is probably the largest influence on the culture. Did you hear what I said? The media, I'm not just talking about the news. I'm talking about the Hollywood types. I'm talking about the sitcoms. I'm talking about the reality shows. God help us. And God help us Christians to take the remote and cut off the trash when it comes on our TV. Did you all hear? The media shapes our values. The media shows kids how to cuss. The media shows kids how to be violent. The media shows kids what, what fornication and adultery is and homosexuality is and puts a, a, a band-aid, not even a band-aid, it puts a, a hand clap over these kind of media. The media propagates the value of America. What we need in this country is for God to help us to see men and women of God who in spite of the media, who pray and seek God, and we in our own families, in our own marriage, Turn off the TV and say, we're going to have a family altar. We're going to read the Bible. We're going to pray that more than just over our dinner where we say, God is great. God is good. Let us thank Him for His food. By His hands we are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. That's the only prayer some families know. My God, it's time for us to separate our agenda and get a hold of God in our families. We need to pray for the impact on nations. This election and all elections. You see, what happens in America has rippling effects all over the world. As negative as our economy is in America now, it's worse in other parts of the world. As precarious as it is for people to invest in businesses in different parts of the world, it's even safer. It's as negative as the economy has been. It's, we are still the number one economically thriving nation in the world. So, not only economically, but whoever is placed in office at whatever level in this country, their decisions and those they rely on to give them wisdom for decision will have a rippling effect in the whole world. What happens in America affects the whole world. Voters will consider the foreign policies of candidates and how they fit biblical principles. We need to pray for that. Because we're not alone in this in America. We need to pray for the impact on nations because the activities of other nations will not have an undue influence on our elections. There are other nations who hate us. And there are other nations who may take actions against our troops and against our citizens in other parts of the world. There are other nations who would like to, to probably influence our election and create a chaos. We need to pray against that in Jesus' name. We need, we need to pray that the results of the United States elections will serve to spread the gospel around the world. Oh, help me, Jesus. 
You see, I heard a preacher say yes, years ago, Pastor Loran Livingston, he pastors in Charlotte, North Carolina, Central Church of God, a 6,000-member church, a man full of the Holy Ghost, whose ministry I've followed since 1991. I've heard him say years ago about why God placed America on the world scene and raised her up as the nation that he has and blessed her. There are two primary reasons why God raised up America. Get this, if you will. Number one, the spreading of the gospel. Did you hear what I said? God raised up America for the spreading of the gospel. No other nation in this world has sent out more missionaries than America all over the world. No other nation in this world has built more orphanages and hospitals and Bible schools and training centers in other parts of the world than America. Did anybody hear me? Spreading the gospel. No other nation in this world has gone to places where there have been hurricanes and tsunamis and earthquakes and all kinds of natural disasters including war which is not a natural disaster but a disaster no other nation in this world who have had nations turn against them only to need america and have america turn around and bless them and not curse them god has raised up america to spread the gospel all over the world and the only way he will keep blessing america is if we keep blessing the world with the message of jesus christ A second reason why God raised up America, and that is to protect Israel. God raised up America to be Israel's friend. And ever since Israel became a nation in 1948, America has stood with her. Because America understands that if we bless God's people, God will bless us. America understands or understood that our salvation is tied to the Jewish people. At least you forget, Jesus was a Jewish carpenter. By God's election and sovereignty, He didn't choose Trinidad to be His chosen people. I wish He did. But now I think it over. Israel been through a lot of stuff. Maybe I'm going to just keep Israel. Leave Trinidad. Let me say, I say this to you out of prophecy. That... As long as we seek the interests of God's people, the nation of Israel, economically, territorially, as long as we seek the protection of God's people, God will give us protection and favor. So we pray that the United States will stand firm in its commitment to Israel and her right to exist as a nation. I got to hurry. We're going to pray this Friday from 5 to Saturday at 5 o'clock. And I pray to God that you get a chance to be here sometime during that time. And I pray to God that you don't dismiss it and say somebody else will do it. And I pray to God that if you can't be here and it's physically impossible or otherwise, that you will find some place somewhere and say, God, somebody's already ringing the prayer bells of heaven and I want to help ring it with them. We pray because... We need to understand their spiritual warfare surrounding elections, families, churches, and individuals. We need to pray that great awareness and discernment from the Lord as people pray over the elections and our nation and pray over our needs. Because if we pray according to our flesh, we might miss the will of God. But if we pray that, Holy Ghost, give me discernment, give me wisdom. Oh, help me, Jesus. We, we need to pray. 
physical protection for all the candidates and their families. Did I hear an amen? They're crazy people in this world. They think the solution to problems of political orientations or culturally or racial is to build a bomb and throw it in a building or, or take a sniper. And that is not God's solution and it's not our solution. We need to pray for everyone seeking to sacrifice uh, their, their, maybe their influence among other people so they can lead in a bigger way. We need to pray spiritually, warfare going on, a strong hedge of protection around the nation itself during this time of decision. Oh, help me, Jesus. Oh, let me say this regularly in my prayer, and I know I need to move on. But I ask God to protect, protect our buildings, protect our churches. Every Sunday before you come, I ask God to protect this church and protect this building and protect this property and protect our children and protect... Because there are crazy people out there who think that we'll just get rid of Christians and we'll start right here. There, there are crazy people out here who do not like that you believe in the Lord and you serve the Lord. But let me say this to you. We also have people within the body of our church who are looking out for your well-being. Can I get an amen? You, you can't just sit around and say, okay, somebody's going to take care of it. we got to pray and plan and do what the Lord tells us to do that is safe and wise. And we need, I pray that God will protect the White House, the Capitol building. And, and I pray that God will protect our stadiums. Can I get an amen? Because, because today across America, in the combined attendance of stadiums across America for football, there will be millions of people perhaps all across America. And only a terrorist or somebody else might want the, I pray God protect it. I pray God protect our airplanes, our airports, our subways, our trains, our buses. Can I get an amen? I pray that God protect our, protect our, schools. Oh, help. Brothers and sisters, if you want to know what to pray for, just just look at around us. Because your prayers can defeat darkness. Here's, here's the seventh. In this business of praying, spiritual warfare, that God would judge the thoughts and intents of our heart. Let, let, let me see if I can wrap it up in a few moments. We pray in every area of our lives for the purposes of God. That the United States will turn and seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. We pray that God will be honored in the midst of this election campaign. We pray about opportunities for Christians to share their faith. I almost feel like a politician trying to get all I can in in the two minutes that I have for the debate. We pray for the results of this election to be pleasing to the Lord and that God will release His blessings Amen. on this nation. Amen. When, I, when I pray, I ask the Holy Spirit to help me never to exploit this, this pulpit. Because I really want you to like me. I really do have sometimes an inferiority complex. You can't tell by my boldness. Of it. I really, I told you a few Sundays ago, if I wear my feelings on my shoulder sometimes. Me and Deborah does. You, you don't? I thought we were. I'm getting me another friend. You do? Yeah. Floyd, how about you? Yeah. Deborah, we'll reconnect after. You just come to, you just come to prayers, all I know. 
and you probably don't weigh your feelings on your shoulder because you pray. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Because you pray. I go through all this thing in my mind, in my head. I'm building a church, building a building. It's the biggest indebtedness that I will be responsible for in the 27 and a half years that I'm here. I never asked the Lord to go to another church. Never sought opportunity for another church. I haven't given opportunity. But I felt like God had me here. Because when I came here 27 years ago, I told the Lord, I want, to, I want you to plant me. I didn't know it was be, it would be here, Brother Roger. This brother who sang the solo, Pastor Roger Powell, invited me in January of 1985 to preach a revival for him and his church, then Peachtree City Church of God, three miles down the road. He was transitioning by the power of the Spirit and God's direction in his life. Never heard me preach before. I hope you... Well, I'm, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> and I said, God, where you plant me, as a pastor, that's where I want to be. I had opportunity last week, week before last, to preach at the Church of God General Offices, Cleveland, Tennessee. It is our international headquarters. I was invited by the first assistant general overseer of a denomination to come and preach a chapel. It was my second invitation in a year. And it would be to all the leading officials of our denomination, our general overseer, three assistant general overseers, general secretary and treasurer, all the, in the church world, the movers and the shakers of our denomination. And I got up and I said to them, if you want a pastor to pray up and pray through and live right and holy, invite him to come preach to you guys. I told him, I said, I confessed all my sins, all my wrongs, everything, because I knew you all don't need preachers here. You got men and women full of the Holy Ghost leading this denomination. But I got up and said to them, I'm not looking for points. I'm not looking for a promotion. I'm a pastor. I went back and I looked at a sermon I preached at the election of 2000, 2000, 12 years ago. I have been preaching this. Not at elections only, but I know I could be misunderstood. I have been preaching the gospel. Whether the elections are running hot or cold, whether we're voting for a dog catcher or a mayor. The word, the word. And so I, I have the question that occurs to me, and I'm closing, that occurs to you. So which candidate should we vote for? Because one is a Mormon and the other has taken a stand against Scripture as it relates to marriage and homosexuality. So some preachers have elected to tell people not to vote. And that is not God's plan for salt and light and Christians. Not to vote. You see, if you do not vote, it would be like unto God giving you a talent and you burying it and hoping it's multiplied. You have a voice. And because you haven't voted, or maybe you did not vote in the past or choose not to, then you and I become part and parcel of giving up our rights and our freedom as Christians, but also allowing people to come into position and power that changes 
the foundation on which this nation was built. The Word of God. So, do not hide your treasure. And I've been wrestling with this. And in a personal context, answering it to people. Dim the lights, would you? And so, how should we vote? To me, when this was sent to my attention this week, it settled it for my heart. So I could tell you this. This is Dr. Billy Graham. Most of you know Dr. Billy Graham that there is no other preacher alive who have led more people to Christ around the world than evangelist Dr. Billy Graham. There is not another man alive in the world, a preacher, who have counseled more presidents than Dr. Billy Graham. I don't know of another man, preacher, who's been a soul winner, always preaching salvation, 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 Dr. Billy Graham. This week, the Billy Graham Evangelistic, Evangelistic Association, Association, Billy Graham himself, placed an ad in newspapers all across America, other outlets, but particularly newspapers, as we approach the election. You see his picture, but I'll read what the ad says. These are the words of Dr. Billy Graham. The legacy we leave behind for our children, grandchildren, and this great nation is crucial. As I approach my 94th birthday, I realize this election could be my last. I believe it's vitally important that we cast our ballots for candidates who base their decisions on biblical principles and support the nation of Israel. I urge you to vote for those who protect the sanctity of life and support the biblical definition of marriage between a man and woman. Vote for biblical values this November 6th and pray with me that God, that America will remain one nation under God. You are Christians first. Bow your heads, please. And so, God, you've given us food for thought. And I pray that we would be one in Christ. I pray, O oh God, that we would understand that at stake in our personal lives, in our family lives, in our national life, we would understand that what is at stake are things that are eternal and not temporary. Would you wake us up, Lord? Would you stir us up to prayer? Would you stir us up, O oh God, to understand that we are not in a world by ourselves where it's just about me, myself, and I. But that we are part of a bigger picture that involves the salvation and the redemption of every man, woman, boy, and girl who need eternal life in Christ. 
God, I, I confess we get busy about paying bills and working our jobs and we get busy about keeping our marriage sound. We get busy, oh God, about uh, uh, taking care of life's needs. We get busy, busy, busy. And we give you the leftovers, God. We give you the leftovers of our time, the leftovers of our talent, the leftovers of our treasure. God, I confess today that when I want you, I want your 100% attention. And I want you right now. I confess that when I want you, God, I don't want any delay. And I don't want your second best. When I want you, I don't want an angel. I want you. And, and yet there are times when you want me. And you want my 100% attention. You only get 10%. There are times when you want me to be a witness. When you want me to pray. When you want me to, to forgive. When you want me to give. Instead of me giving you the 100% attention and devotion that you asked of me, I give you my leftovers. And there may be a few others like that today, here. So God, begin in us a revival. Amen. Stand, would you please? Come, praise team. Let's, let's surrender in the song in closing. Thank you, Jesus. And if you can just stay a few moments more, I'll let you go together. Be dismissed together. I'm sensitive to the time. I like what you're playing. Turn your eyes on upon Jesus. In Jesus' name. Would you get somebody by the hand now? Would you pray that God will make us one? Even cross the aisle if you have to. I'm only asking you to do one thing, and that's to pray for God to make us one in Christ. Pray right in front of each other. God, make us one in Christ. Make Christians across America one in Christ. Come on, Lord, Lord, I, I praise you today that our diversity can be our strength. Come on. Our diversity will not be our disunity. Our diversity will be our strength. Make us one in the Spirit. Make us one in the Word. Come on. Oh, God, make us one in the Holy Ghost. Make us one in faith. Make us one in passion. Come on, pray that way. Oh, God, if, if somebody falls, let's pick them up, lest we fall and we have no one to pick us up. If somebody is weak, help us to make them strong, lest we get weak and we don't have anybody to make us strong. Come on. If somebody has a need, let us give, lest we have a need and have no source of help. Oh, come on, in Jesus' name, make us one. Would you pray for that person whose hands you hold in another way that God will show you for about 30 seconds now? Pray in another way, oh, God. Come, come in your glory and your majesty and your power. Oh, Father, I pray for this prayer. Pray for this prayer vigil that God will give us a breakthrough. Come on, would you pray starting this Friday evening? You don't have to start then praying, but, but starting then officially. God, I pray that you would make it possible for children and for young people and for singles and for young adults and for, for senior adults and for adults. Make it possible for the church to pray and travail. As we turn our eyes upon Jesus. Now would you lift your hands and give Him thanks. Come on. Before you leave, sing with them now. Sing with them.